So, what's with this cocktail guy anyway? He says I saved his life, which I'm not even sure I did, and my reward is dinner and dancing at Taco Bell. I mean, hey, I like Mexican food, but come on. Your tone is quasi-facetious, but you do not realize that Taco Bell was the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars. So? So? Now all restaurants are Taco Bell. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Taco. Grande. Taco Dial Supreme. Holy guacamole! Grande. It's Tuesday, Lisa. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Greetings, programs and users. It is time once again for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program. Here with me again in the studio is Rojan. Greetings, everybody. Nice to be back. Today, on Old Nerds Drinking, it is official, there ain't no law, because we're on the claw. Yes, we are drinking White Claw tonight. The, well, the plan was originally to drink the, Dew, the Mountain Dew Margarita, which would have went great with what I have planned going on here, but right. you know, we will do it in the future. Yeah, we will do it in the future. It's going to require a shopping trip uh, to yeah. the liquor store, because there's at least one, thing, one ingredient on there that I, I actually have to check with my uh, liquor store to see if they have. Well, let me um, let me lead this off. I'm going to do a little bit of leading on this episode for a little bit. Okay, well, for, first, first, oh, cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Clink. Clink. Because we are drinking out of cans, cans. and not glass, yeah. Oh my God, it is just as awful as I imagined it to be. I rather enjoy White Claw. Um, not because I'm a basic bitch, but because I drink a lot of the seltzer waters anyways. So if I'm going to drink seltzer water, you know, that's flavored, I might as well drink seltzer water this with is, alcohol in it. This is lemon-flavored... And I taste absolutely nothing. I don't even taste like the slight seltzeriness of seltzer. It's like this is actively taking away taste from my taste buds. I get that. So that I taste nothing. I get that. It is. It is the. What is the meme? It, it's. It's drink. It's like drinking television static. Yes. So. Oh my God. Now I will, however, I, I do understanding after drinking this. Um, I rather enjoy drinking a white claw, but I do understand that. Um. Is the San Pellegrino drink that you had me drink last time that um, I still find to be very, very bad. Minty. <laughs> very bad. I did not enjoy that. Um, so anyways. By the five cans of it lying around my computer desk, I could think you can surmise that I, I, I like get it. it. I get it. You enjoy it because it has flavor to it. Mm -hmm. I just don't like the flavor. So anyhow, here we go. All right. So um, what we're going to do tonight, let's, let's preface this a little bit. Everybody out there that's listening by this point should know that both John and myself were big fans of the Mexican pizza that Taco Bell stole from us and ripped from our hearts oh so God. carelessly, so maliciously, and did not listen to the outcry from the public demanding that they return this wonderful artifact of, of fast food amazingness. Oh my God. Yeah. Very bad mistake. Case in point, which leads us to what we're going to do tonight. 
Del Taco, um, a chain on the primarily big on the West Coast. We have a couple of them up in Detroit now. Um, and we've discussed this before about how Detroit went through a fast food desert for a long time. And we didn't have new restaurants opening up. So Del Taco, in response to Taco Bell removing their Mexican pizza, has come out with their own version of their Mexican pizza. And I will... Now, I haven't, we haven't tried these yet. We're going to eat them on the air. We're going to evaluate them and give our opinions of what these are on the air. So you're going to listen to us eat on the show tonight. Mm. You already listened to us drink, so you're going to listen to us eat. Um, both John and myself are fans of the fast food um, variety. We have guts to show for it. Right. And so when they announced this, they also put out a tweet. They, they launched a whole campaign like kind of slamming Taco Bell for removing the Mexican pizza and capitalize. Now, this is evidence right there that there is a very big problem. When your competition, your prime competition decides, hey, we're going to come out with a Mexican pizza and try to give people what they want, that should tell Taco Bell something right there. It's like, listen, this is how bad you fucked up. You fucked up so bad that the competitor is going to come in and try to, you know, roll on you and come right. out with their version of it. Now... Observation-wise, well, they also, they, they, this is funny. If you can find the tweet or the message somewhere, they actually put a tweet out. Um, it was something like, um, have you been ghosted by your favorite fast food chain, blah, 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 <laughs> for removing one of your favorite items? Well, you may be entitled to compensation or something like that, which is so, the meme was so something that you would say. That was what drew me to it in the first place. I'm like, John, this is something that you would do because you always have that little joke about, are you the victim of an edible? Well, <laughs> have you or anyone you know been the victim of an edible? Yes. So, um, anyways, which we'll get to. So this is obviously right here. Like, and, and I, even if I don't like the Mexican pizza that we're about to eat, which I can tell by looking at it, I'm going to have some issues right off the bat. But even if I don't like this, I still give Del Taco credit for rolling in on Taco Bell being like, listen, you people fucked up, you know, like if, if there, there's such a demand for this product that the competition decided to come out with their own version of it and Taco Bell kind of ignored their their customer base like this is the one item that they shouldn't have got rid of or should bring back and they've made no announcement so now del taco is calling them out mad props and respect for del taco for doing that so yeah mad props to del taco for calling out taco bell and coming out with their own version of it um so i'm gonna do first let's do the visual um review of it basically what we have here are tostadas this is not mexican pizza from taco Correct. bell the Mexican pizza from Taco Bell had two flat, round, crunchy tacos, like one on the bottom. They stuffed. were flour. Yep. No, they were no, they were corn. Were they corn? They were corn. I, I swear that. Okay, I won't. I won't argue this. Yeah. But I swear that they were a flour tortilla. Like beans and stuff in between. Yep. Then another one on top, and then on top of that was cheese. And like diced tomatoes. And there was a red sauce that was on it. The sauce right. was key because you could still order them for a little while, but they didn't have the sauce. Right. And I think they still may, I don't know if they're still making the tortillas or not. Well, because but... they still use the same tortillas inside the, cr the crunch wraps of okay. creams. So you could still order it, but it does not have the, the signature sauce that it had. Now, these are more or less tostadas. Right. They don't have the double layer. They don't have the sauce on the top. They don't have like the little pieces of tomato on the top. So... It's kind of like right now I'm a little underwhelmed by the appearance of it because... Well, the chicken one did have them on top, but they had contents had shifted in travel. Yes. Uh, it also had guacamole, which I the half you got had all the guacamole on it. Cause You're I not just, a guacamole fan? I despise guacamole. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I love guacamole. I'm, I'm cool with that. Right. So um, I guess let's let's try the basic bean cheese one first right. here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into that right now. Um 
this is a tostada. Mm-hmm. This is a bean tostada from Taco Bell, for the most part. Right. Um, and nothing about this reminds me of a Mexican taco pizza. Just the first one there. You know what this needs? It's not bad. It's it needs, good. Needs a red sauce. I can live without the red sauce. If you had like a shit ton of Taco Bell mild sauces. Well, I do have mild sauces in the bag that came with it. I did get mild sauces. Oh, I tossed the bag, so. Okay, well, there's, there was mild sauce in there. So, um, you going to try the beef one next? I kind of already ate the beef one. Okay, I'm going to try it. Next. While we were waiting to get started. Um, and it was delicious. I enjoyed it. I would definitely, I would definitely stop at Del Taco for like two of those. This is good. This is absolutely something that I could see myself eating at one o'clock in the morning, high on an edible. Um, when I've got the when the when the when the weed edibles are kicking in. Um, Where will you be when the mad munchies kick in? Again, it's not bad, but it is not Mexican pizza from Taco Bell. No. It for me, it needs that red sauce. So I'm gonna move on to the chicken one now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the chicken one definitely is packed. This is thick. I can look at it. It's about an inch thick of crap piled onto it. Oh yeah, it's got it's got all the uh, it's got uh, sour cream, it's got tomatoes, it's got lettuce. Yep. Mm. Cheese. Yeah. It's this the beans. Um, so I'm gonna give this one a shot now. Um. Again, not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Again, this is definitely something that I can see myself. Scarfing down on it at one o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, high on a twenty milligram MKX edible. Um, I don't know if I would call them pizzas though. I don't. I don't. No. I don't know if I would call it a, an adequate substitute for the Mexican Taco Bell pizza. But I applaud their effort. I do. I do. I do as well. And and this is actually the first time I've ever had Del Taco. Oh really? Yeah. Del Taco is it's different. It's it's you walk in there expecting it to be like Taco Bell because you see. They have the same kind of food. They have chalupas. They have tacos. They have amazingly bad fish tacos. They're horrible. They're disgusting. And I can't... They're, they're amazing. I have to order them when I go there. They are like the most vile... Short of going to like and getting a taco at Jack in the Box, which you don't know what that's all about. Like the, 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 the Jack in the Box tacos are horrible. They're like dog food tacos and they're really good. Same situation here. The fish tacos are horrible. They're not good for you. They do not look appetizing at all. They look like they would destroy your mouth, but they're incredibly delicious for whatever reason. I should not, like my mind repels in horror, but my mouth says stuff it in me. <laughs> right. That mm. is definitely not a gay reference. So, um, and moving along in the same vein of gay reference, I have a strong feeling that these are going to destroy my virgin asshole much the same way a man wearing leather biker gear at a gay pride parade will. Um, I will say this. So, uh, when Taco Bell got rid of the Mexican pizza and the $1 uh, chicken ro- like shredded chicken quesadillas, like, oh my god, those were also my jam. I completely swore off Taco Bell. And then that lasted till last week. And I was coming home from work. It was 9 o'clock at night. Or no, it was almost 10 because I had gotten off late. It took us a while to close. And every fucking thing in the world was closed mcdonald's was closed uh top or um burger king was closed wendy's mm-hmm. was closed so i'm like shit what the hell is open taco bell's always there for you man yeah and they know it they know that it's like people who work late or stoners the only thing other than that would be like i think white castles is open 24 hours mm-hmm. yeah which is if you're wait, on the... wait, which will destroy my beehole mm-hmm. um 
so I went to Taco Bell, and it's uh, it, the this particular one when it backs up, like the drive-through line will back up onto like the major thoroughfare, and it was like I waited in line almost half an hour just mm-hmm. to get it, and. Even though they didn't have any of my favorite things, I still ordered some tacos. And man, it reminded me that there is a part of my life that is empty without Taco Bell. So now I'm going to have to start going to Del Taco and getting some of these and filling that void well, in my Del life. Well, Del Taco is different. They're, don't go to Del Taco expecting it to be Taco Bell because it's not. The I'm, only going thing to, I'm going to Del Taco expecting cheap-ass tacos. Well, and... Tacos are actually not good there. I really don't like Del Taco's tacos. Um, but they've got this thing called the the mucho macho burrito or something like that. Yeah, it's, oh, it's huge. I sound it, just from the sound of it, I think I could get down with that. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. They also have shrimp tacos, which they're out of right now. But it's very different. It's not a Taco Bell. Like when we were when I first went there, it was me and my buddy. We walked in and like I've said this before, Del Taco is what happens when all of the fast food chains go to a big party. And then, like, Taco Bell got like, got really drunk, and then Wendy's got really drunk, and then they went off and shacked up in the, in, the, in the bathroom or something, and they banged. And then Wendy's got pregnant and had a child, and that was Del Taco. Because you walk in there, and half of the menu is, like, like Wendy's kind of burgers. Mm-hmm. Um, when you order a combo, you don't get chips, you get fries. So you get, like, the taco combo, and it comes with fries, which in Michigan is a very strange concept because we were so used to Taco Bell for all these years. Like, when we walked in, it was but, like... But let's be fair. Taco Bell nachos, like, the little pe- the little pocket of nachos and yeah. cheese they gave you were freaking awful. Yeah. They, well, they, you know, with a little cheese sauce I came with. But Del Taco is kind of a... It, because it's a West Coast chain, they're a little bit different about how their food tastes and stuff are out there. So you can go in there and Del Taco has... Like, you see Del Taco, you don't expect to go in there and see, like, burgers on the menu. And then the burgers really aren't bad. So... We got the taco thinking, well, the company is called Del Taco, so obviously their tacos must be pretty good. I personally didn't care for them. Their chalupas are good. Their chalupas are different than Taco Bell, but they're good. Mm-hmm. So when you do go to Del Taco, go to it with an open mind, you know, learning, trying to have a new experience. Yeah, I don't go to Taco Bell for an authentic Mexican experience. Oh, no, yes. I go to Taco Bell because I'm broke yeah. and I fucking love tacos. So the bar is already pretty low. Okay. Um. But these are good. I mean, I've, I've pretty much just finished up the chicken one for the most part. Oh, man, yeah. I, I wolfed those down. I was kind of hungrier than I thought I was. So, I mean, I, I I won't say it's as good as the Mexican pizza, but they are good. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyways, so, yeah, that was that was tonight. I think I, well, me and you were talking in our group chat about how going forward in the future, when possible, um, I would like to find all of these really strange recipes, and I might make them and bring them over because I'm considering making the Mountain Dew Cheesecake. Um, just because, I mean, everything about that says, now I'm not good. There is a variant of that that has the, it's a Mountain Dew cheesecake with crushed Dorito crust. And I'm not going to make that. I oh, hell no. no. You, yeah. will, you will not bring that in my house. No, I will you will not, not bring that no. evil into my house. No. So anyways, um, yeah, my, my review is go out and try these. They're, they're not the Mexican pizza. If you have a Del Taco in your area, do try them. They are very delicious. I, mm. I, I do like them. I've liked all these, these, ta- uh, these Del Taco tostadas, whatever the hell they're called. Uh, do officially get the old nerds drinking seal of approval. Yeah, I'll get it. Uh, I'll give it. Um, I'll give it eight out of ten ONDs. Mm-hmm. I'll give it that. Yeah, the White Claw I will give four out of ten ONDs. But I again, I enjoy. I do. I will drink I, the White Claw. I, I give. I award this White Claw. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. 
So moving on, let's move to the next thing because we got to get these out of the way because we do have geek stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, we're going to play a game here. Um, oh, this, this is, is a game. the game. We're going to play a game here. Um, this is a game that I don't expect you to do very well at. Okay. Um, it has to do with marijuana. You are not a user of marijuana. Okay. Um, which is fine. Um, but what this is is we're going to play a game where you, I'm going to give you two names. I'm going to give you two names, and you need to tell me which one of these names is a name of a horse that raced in the Kentucky Derby, oh. and which one is the name of a weed strain. Oh, okay. Okay. I, 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 I will give this my best, sir. I know. It'll be funny. Just go with us on this journey. Let's let's go on this together. I think there's only there's only a few here. There's not very many. All right. So, Let um, rip. you're going to tell me which is the horse strain and which is the weed strain. The first name is Animal Kingdom. The second name is White Rhino. Put some thought into this. Animal Kingdom, White Rhino. Which is the horse name? Which is the weed strain? Kind of feel like we need Jeopardy music or something in the background. I am going to say that Animal Kingdom is the horse. White Rhino is the weed strain. You are correct. Uh, weed strain, White Rhino. It is a hybrid strain of weed. Um, so I, I, I'm hoping that Max is listening right now. She she would I, she would be your phone a friend probably <laughs> in this situation. Okay, so the next one. The first name is Ace of Spades. The second name is Funny Side, C-I-D-E, Funny Side, which is the horse, which is the weed strain. I, I, I am willing to bet Ace of Spades is a horse name. Um, the other name is Funny Side. Yeah, Funny Side, especially with the C-I-D, is kind of like a suicide name. Like, you wouldn't really name a horse that. So I am going to once again say... That uh, Ace of Spades is the horse, Funny Side is the weed. Incorrect, sir. The horse name is Funny Side. The weed strain is Ace of Spades. It is an indica strain. Oh, okay. Because, <clears throat> I mean, there there have uh, there's got to have been a racehorse named Ace of Spades. I'm sure there has. Yeah. So but these these are horses that have raced in past Kentucky Derbies. Okay. So right. I did have a little bit of a thing. On so it. so we're we're one for one right now. Yep. Okay. The next two names are the first name is Arabian Gold, the second name. Hot Rod Charlie. <laughs> oh my God! Hot Rod Charlie and Arabian Gold, which is the horse, which mm. is the weed. This is this is tough because uh, Arabians are well-known racehorses. So I would assume that the Arabian Gold is the racehorse. But what was the other one like? Hot Rod Charlie. Hot Rod Charlie. That is one hundred percent a horse name. Uh, so I will go with Arabian Gold is the weed and Hot Rod Charlie is the horse. You are correct, sir. Arabian Gold is the weed strain. It is a sativa strain, which is the caffeine of weed. Mm. That is the weed that you smoke or consume when you want to get stuff done. The indica strains are the ones that you eat when you eat and you melt into the couch or smoke. I prefer, I prefer to consume. Um, the next set of names. The first name is Apollo 13. The second name is Hidden Stash. Apollo 13, Hidden Stash, which is the horse name, which is the weed strain. Ooh, that's a good one, because uh, I am going to say that uh, Apollo 13 is the weed strain and Hidden Stash is the horse. I don't think uh, horse racers are a generally superstitious lot. I don't think they would do Apollo 13. You are correct, sir. Hidden Stash is the horse name and Apollo 13 is the weed strain. That is the that is a hybrid strain, which is a combination of both sativa and indica. Houston, we have a problem. Moving on to the next one, we're going to go to the first name being uh, la 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 la. The first name is Dreamshake. The second name is Avalon. Dreamshake and Avalon. Oh, this is this is the ringer question, man. This 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 is like when you get to 
when you get to who, uh, who wants to be a millionaire and like all the questions are super easy and then you get to like the hundred thousand one and it's like any one of these could be the correct answer. Again, if our phone operation system was working, I would say, why don't you phone a friend on this one if you would like to? We uh, can actually have their response on the air. In the future, when we play this game again, I will insist that we do this in some way where okay. you can phone a friend. So it's uh, Dreamscape or Avalon. Yes. I am going to say Dreamscape is the weed, Avalon's the horse. Uh, the horse name is Dream... I'm sorry, the, the name was Dream Shake in Avalon. Oh, Dream Shake. Dream Shake. But the horse name was Dream Shake. The weed strain was Avalon. That is also a hybrid strain. We've got two more to go. I'm not really sure what's your score right now. How many... I'm, I've been keeping track. I am ahead by one. Okay. So we're going to move on to... We have two more to go. <clears throat> the first name, Black Dahlia. The second name, King Fury. Black Dahlia and King Fury. Ooh. Horse strain... I mean, horse name or weed strain? King Fury, Black Dahlia. Um, hmm. Black Dahlia definitely sounds like a weed strain. I am going to go with uh, Black Dahlia as weed, King Fury as the horse. You are correct again, sir. It is a hybrid strain as well. So the last and final question, this puts you at three, correct? The, how many How many questions were there? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, no. I think you're at three for three, three for three right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. So this will be the tiebreaker. This will be the tiebreaker. This is the final one. This is the tiebreaker. This is where the intense game show music comes on. The camera zooms in on you. The crowd goes deafly silent. Because it's the final countdown. We didn't plan that. (laughs) We definitely didn't. Okay. The first name is Blue Boy. The second name is Rock Your World. Blue Boy or Rock Your World? Horse name, Weed Strain. Those are both good contestants for either. (sighs) I am going to say... Blue Boy is the horse. Rock Your World is the weed. Incorrect. Oh. Blue Boy is the weed strain. It is a hybrid strain, and Rock Your World is the horse name. Oh. Wah, wah, wah. But it was a very valiant effort for someone who is not at all involved in the world of recreational marijuana. marijuana yes. And or horse racing. Oh, and or horse. Correct. That was why I wanted to do this <laughs> for that extra added element right. of let's see if you can pull this off. So I think in the future will we be doing this game again or a variant thereof. So anyways, oh. so uh, yeah, you watched Invincible. I did. I uh, just, in fact, I was finishing the last episode when you came in. Um, it was yesterday was my day off and uh, the kids went to bed kind of early and I was like, ah, well, I guess I don't really have anything else going on. There was nothing else to watch on TV. So I'm like, I didn't feel like painting. So I... Threw that on, got through seven episodes, and then uh, today finished it up. That was kind of what it was like for me. I was sitting upstairs in my um, in my upstairs office game room at the house, and I was just threw it on TV because it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, much like um, much like way back when I went and watched both of the Godzilla movies. Because hey, I'm already paying for the service. I've got it. If I don't like it, I can always turn it off. So I flew it. I flipped it on. And I started watching it because I was really expecting it to be a kids' cartoon. You know, like a family kind of show. No, not so no. much. Like within the first episode, people are getting um, their heads cut I, off. I would and... remind you that this is a series written by Robert Kirkman. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time. I just saw Invincible. Right. It recommended it to me. I'm into superhero shows. Sure, I'll give it a shot. 
Um, and actually, the first episode I didn't actually finish, and I went back and I realized I missed something, so I went back because I was talking to Banjo Jones, and he brought something up. So I went back and rewatched the end of the episode. I was like, oh, I missed a good ten minutes of this episode. I missed the the end of it where things get real, real. And I was like, wow. And then I got into the show a lot, and um, the voice acting in the show is amazing. Like mm-hmm. everybody is in the show. Michael Dorn's on the show. Um, you were talking about uh, Mark Hamill being the costume maker. Yeah, on the show. Mark Mark Hamill's the 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 superhero tailor. Yep. Um, and <laughs> one of the aliens that they run into is Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, J K Simmons is the Omni Man. Mm-hmm. And there was there's a lot of other uh, there's all vo- kinds of people. Yeah, in there, it. there's a lot of other voice talent regulars in there. Um. I would not be surprised if Robert Paulson was in there because uh, one of the one of the bad guys was Metalhead, mm-hmm. and the voice modulation uh, like effect they were using was the exact same one they used on Rick and Morty for Snuffles. Oh and- yeah. Where are my testicles, Summer? They were removed. Where have they gone? And yes. uh, the voice of Snuffles was Robert Patterson. Mm-hmm. Not Robert Patterson, Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. I know, I know what you're trying to say, though. Yeah, yeah. Robert Patterson is... is um, Robert like, Patterson is Batman. Yeah. Robert Paulson is every voice from your childhood. Yes. Um, but it's it's not an original story. We've seen the story before. It's the... So, so that was kind of my thing. It was... I was actually, like, halfway through it, kind of a little disappointed. Mm. I felt like it was meandering through trying to figure it's like there's an overall plot and it was trying to have bottle episode plots but also meander through a the overarching meta plot see this got me wondering this show actually got me wondering because for a while like when watchmen came out watchmen kind of the comic book and the movie both redefined the whole superhero thing like watchmen in my opinion was what brought comic books and superheroes from the age like when we were growing up we would read the x-men and dc and all these comic books and then watchmen comes along and watchmen was the first real in my opinion adult heavy comic book that so, dealt with adult, adult themes so you look at so comic books are divided by ages uh the first age in the 1940s is the golden age yes um then you move into uh the 60s and 70s which was the silver age mm-hmm. The gold age was all black and white, not not a, not necessarily in a color, but it's good is good, bad mm-hmm. is bad. That's never the twain shall meet. Uh, the silver age is still good is good, bad is bad. Um, you're dealing with a little more adult themes, but it's still very cut and dry. Um, that's uh, Silver Age is also the episode of the Comic Book Code Authority, so you couldn't have superheroes who um rebelled against authority Mm -hmm. so they couldn't question the police they they always had to side with the police um they like even in the incredible hulk marvel had to justify the incredible hulk fighting against the u.s military Mm -hmm. because that was against the comic book code for a comic book character to attack any member of the u.s military Mm mm-hmm um, but Watchmen is what is regarded as kind of the first of the Iron Age. And when you get to the 80s, that's when comics started 
That was when Marvel finally abandoned the comic book code. That was when you had... You had anti-heroes. You, yeah, you, that was kind of where the anti-hero started. And then that rolled into the start of Image and the idea of cre- creator-owned but very adult, very dark yeah, comic. Yeah, and then it kind of went into the tinfoil age of comics where things just got kind where, of out of hand and you had like chromium like chromium covers on comic books just to sell comic books and, and well and that's what it was it was a, one i don't know tinfoil age is a really good word for it i don't know if that's the exact word mm. but yeah it was the all of a sudden there was this idea that comic books were an investment medium and it was the same thing that happened to baseball cards was you you got these financial people saying oh comic books are a great investment because they're worth all this money well comic books from the golden age and the silver age are worth money because they're rare and so the by the ni- age was like make, make a billion of these yeah make it look like they're going to be rare by the 90s you get to marvel was printing three times more comic books than there were people reading them mm-hmm. because everybody was buying three copies um everybody was buying variant covers and every because you had one you would read you had one you were putting away and then you you had one that you would sell a little ways down the line and yeah, people thought they would send their kids through college by buying comic books and reselling them later right and the market <clears throat> fell out of them and most of the comic books from that from that time period are quite literally not worth the paper they're printed on i think i have the batman 500 oh. issue where Batman gets his back broken and Azrael steps in to take over the role of Batman mm-hmm. and it's got the nice chrome cover on it and everything. The problem was is that the comic book companies, with the exception of a lot of the independent companies, but the comic book companies were they were getting to a point where they were making things flash and, and they didn't care as much about story content because they wanted to sell more comic books. You would sell mm-hmm. more comic books with a holographic gimmick cover than you would with the writing that was inside of it. Exactly. Um, Because literally, people were buying these comic books and never reading them. mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we did have some good come out of it. I mean, that was also the birth of Rob Liefeld, you know? Do do we really, really... We could spend a whole episode of me just... It it would turn into an episode of, like, me ranting about Star Wars, Mm -hmm. um, about Rob Liefeld. But you had... um, the stories kind of took a second place, but you also had, like, you had, um, like, the the, the black costume Spider-Man, and you had... Oh, no, had... no, black costume Spider-Man was way before that. Yeah, but it was, that was when the artist, you had some artist that, like, the guy who wrote Spawn, whose name, I can't believe Todd it. Todd McFarlane. Yeah, McFarlane, that was, like, when McFarlane started coming into his light, and that's, like, where a lot of these, like, image came from, because... Like Liefeld, if it, Liefeld wanted a bigger cut because people were buying Spider-Man because of his artwork, you know how how cool it looked and stuff. Well, it was because Leif, Rob Layfield created Deadpool, but because he created Deadfield, Deadpool at Marvel, he didn't own Deadpool. Correct. Marvel owned Deadpool, and that was what it was about. It was about Todd McFarlane left Marvel because. He wanted to draw more graphic comic books, and Marvel just said no. Mm-hmm. Um, very famously, there was a a panel he drew for for an um, an issue of Spider Man, and it was which I had that poster for years. Right, I can't find it now. It was somebody walked up to a, a henchman with a gun and pulled the trigger and blew his brains out, and there was a panel of his gray matter splattered everywhere, and when Marvel ran the comic 
they edited all that out and they just put a standard background on it so you never saw this person getting shot. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much the straw that broke the camel's back with Todd McFarlane. And he's like, I'm out. I'm going to go. So he got himself. He got Rob Layfield. He got um, Jim Lee uh, and these other creators. And he's said, okay, well, I'm going to start my own late or I'm going to start my own comic book company. And there'll be hookers and blow. And that's kind of what it was is like in the 90s, those guys were the rock stars of the nerd community. Mm -hmm. Like they they were the powerhouse artists of Marvel and they all left to form their own company. And well, not all of them were Marvel. Like Jim Lee was at DC, I believe, but it was it was no, all Jim over. Jim Lee was drawing X Men, I believe. Uh I know he drew for I know he drew Batman for a while. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I mean, he was at DC. I don't know. This it's been a while. Yeah. So <laughs> so this is a long divergent yeah. conversation to get to Invincible, which I believe Invincible was either Top Cow, which itself was Jim Lee separating from Image mm -hmm. to make his own micro studio under Image. Or I think it may have been uh, just an image comic, but it was written by Robert Kirkman. And it was, <clears throat> yeah, it was the idea of the superhero comic, but we're going to make it bloody. Um, so, yeah, you have, like, the birth of the anti-hero come along. But as far as, like, the story, it's not an original story. We've seen this story. It, it's This story is becoming more and more common because you also, me and the wife are now watching uh, Jupiter's Legacy, mm -hmm. um, which I didn't want to watch at first. I saw, I was like, this looks really hokey. And... It is and it isn't, but it's also another one of these anti-hero dark uh, comic book stories, which goes into well, what makes a villain, what makes a hero. We see this theme that kind of... Are you really going to eat that fucking taco in the middle of us talking? Go ahead. I'll give you some of it. I want you to try some of it. I absolutely am not doing that, but I can't talk during the show with you crinkling into the microphone. I'm not crinkling the mic. I'm done crinkling. Go ahead. You can continue. Are you leaving this in the show or are you going to edit it out? I'm going to edit it out. God damn it. This needs to go into, a, into an uh, edit reel. Continue. Go on. Um, so you kind of saw this with Watchmen and the idea that, so my, all right, so we got to go back even further. I have always despised Superman. I have never found him a compelling character. Uh, well, I, how do you write a god that can't be destroyed? Exactly. And that that's what I look at it as. Superman has never been in real peril because every foe, like even when he died, he came back. So he's literally never in any peril. Why? How is that compelling? And now, as that... In the, in the 60s and 70s and whenever, that was just kind of like everybody expected. Oh, if you're that powerful, if you're that powerful, obviously you are going to be this pillar of social order. And when we get to the 80s and 90s, we get, we get to see that, no, people are kind of douchebags. And if you give people a whole bunch of power, they do not use it for good. Uh, the 90s is where we see kind of the end result of, you know, capitalism may not, unrest completely unrestricted capitalism may not have been as great as we all thought it would be. You know how much shit you're going to get for saying that? Don't really care. <laughs> um, and so we get this idea that why would Superman be a upstanding moral person 
when he's a god. That's the thing. When literally nothing can threaten him. That is one of the things about Superman, though. He is the Boy Scout. He is the one that always holds the line, and he's the one that won't right. go off of that. But we start to see that as an unrealistic ideal. So you get Dr. Manhattan, who ascends to godhood and loses all aspects of his own humanity. He, he literally, because of how powerful he is and what his powers are, he has no concept of humanity anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you start to see they did... Um, the comedian. Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't say the comedian. Um, they did, uh, what was it? The, uh, it's not Crisis on Infinity Earths. Oh, the one where they, um, they actually made fun of it because it was... A Kingdom Come. Yes, that's it, yes. Yeah, uh, Kingdom Come, where Superman, they, they kind of did this alternate idea, but, like, Superman turns into basically a super fascist kind of, uh... Well, there was also the alternate storyline where what would happen if, if Superman had crash-landed in Russia. Yeah, the... And he those, became... those are the only, like, the, those are the Superman stories that are interesting to me. There's one where he's dying, and he only has so long to live because he's, he's got some kind of a radiation thing, and so he knows that he's dying. They actually, um, DC made a cartoon variant of it as well. It's not quite the same as a comic book, but it's still just as good, where he knows he's dying, so he has all these things he has to go out and wants to get done before he dies. Now, in the cartoon version of it, he just flies off to the sun. They never show him dying, but in the comic book, he more or less dies of cancer at the end. Mm. So, um... Like those stories were always interesting to me because there was some kind of an end game. You knew, like, even though he was indestructible, you knew he was going to die, et cetera. Right, um, right. Um, but then, then we get into characters like Homelander in The Boys, mm -hmm. who is a sociopath. Um, that movie that came out a couple of years ago, Brightburn, where it's a little kid who's Superman and they try to be good, but you know he's a kid and doesn't have the mental capacity to deal with the fact that if he grabs somebody too hard, he's going to pull their arm off. And in Invincible, we we're going to have to go into spoiler territory. So considering this comic book's been out for years, the show's been out for a few months, I feel like we're safe going into spoiler territory. Um, but you find out that Omni-Man... The, the superhero or the uh, Superman-esque person in Invincible is from this crazy alien race that sends a superpowered person to a planet to basically subjugate them before they're conquered by the Empire. And so it all leads up to this fight scene at the end of the show in the last episode, and it is incredibly brutal. I mean, there's just no other words for it. Mm -hmm. um, him randomly killing people just to try and prove a point and, like, seeing body parts fly. Him holding the main character in front of a train so the main character can watch as everybody on the train is killed from the impact of the two of them standing in yeah, front of Yeah, it's heavy as hell. Yeah. Like, and watching you, it, I was like, damn, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, even even in the first episode where um, Omni-Man kills, the, essentially, the in-universe version of the Avengers. That was brutal. Yeah, he cuts a guy's head off by karate chopping it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was, like, the scene that I went back and watched, because I didn't... Because up until that point, it was pretty much a superhero show. Right. And all right. of a sudden, boom, Superman 
for lack of a better term, is fucking killing people, ripping their hearts out, ripping heads off, ripping arms off, just absolutely brutal, relentless, destroying everybody. And for the whole show, you're led to believe, oh, this guy is, this is Superman. You know, he's playing the part of Superman, and that happens. And he does this throughout the whole series. He goes to an alien planet, and he just decimates all of the life there. And he's mm-hmm. like, let me go. Let me, let me go back to my home. So they're like, all right, we need to get him out of here. Let him go back. And before he leaves, he like drops a giant rock on the city and destroys all of its inhabitants. Right. You know? Um, so the, you get to this end fight sequence, and, and it is really brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, this is a long, meandering way to get to it, but it's just... It's another show that deals with what is it to be a hero? What's it mean to be the villain? What right. is an anti-hero? And it's also the coming-of-age story. Again, we've seen this before where a guy gets his superpowers and he's I, I think learning. this, yeah, I, I was a little... So this is kind of the themes they deal with in The Boys with Homelander. Um, I like the way they deal with it in Invincible a little better. It, because it's a, a animated show, they can really get into it. I mean, there's some brutal stuff in The Boys, but this is... And I think Invincible's got a little more heart. Yeah, like The Boys is... The Boys feels shocking just to be shocking. Right. You know, like there's sex and stuff in it. Well, it's just... They did, like up. They just put it there to make it like... Right. You know, now, I am not saying I don't love The Boys and, you know, anything to keep Carl Urban working because, God, I love Carl Urban. Yeah. So, I, uh, having watched it, I'm interested. If they do a second season, I will watch it. Um, Oh, I'm sure they will. But I think what you're going to see in the second season, now that the the dad is out of the picture for now, you're going to see the show take a different direction. I don't think it'll be as brutal because the main protagonist, who was the person who was very brutal, won't be in the show as much now. So now it's going to be this person having to live in his father's footprints because essentially his dad tried to make him part of the, uh, I don't know, vagina empire or whatever the hell they recur. Voltrek or... Vitrium. V- sure, Vitrium whatever. Vitrium empire. And because um, the dad's like, son, you need to be part of me. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do this. This is this is horrible. These people go and destroy worlds. Well, I think the more important part of it will be is um, what is the Earth going to do knowing that now a entire alien race of people just as powerful as Omni-Man are coming to conquer Earth. Well, they don't know yet. But that's going to be one of the things that they'll probably explore in the next season. But the first season of it was good. The only problem is is that I'm I'm beginning to experience, because I'm experiencing the same thing in watching uh, Jupiter's Legacy, which is, is also a good show, which we'll get into. But it's I'm beginning to get this kind of like anti-hero kind of burnout kind of thing yeah. for the most part. And because it's like this... It was it was a great story. So, idea so you know, along, this this is a good point to make because that is why I've really kind of not liked a lot of the DC uh, the DC cinematic universe stuff because everything is dark, everything is brooding. The only reason I liked the Joss Whedon Justice League was because we ki- we finally got to see Superman be the Superman we know from our childhood. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's why I loved it. And that's why I will probably never watch the Zack Snyder cut. You still should. Because I really like that version of it. Well, he's still that Superman is still there in the Zack Snyder cut. That doesn't change. 
the Zack Snyder cut, if you want to go into it, the Zack Snyder cut, in my opinion, I still did not like the movie, but in my opinion, it is a better movie from a storytelling standpoint. There's a lot of useless fat and fluff that's in the Zack Snyder version of the movie, but it's a better, more cohesive uh, story with a lot of extra shit that's just thrown in there, obviously, to make it longer. That doesn't. I was going to say so. So here's what I'm look. Here's what I look at when I see the Zack Snyder cut. I see they wanted to make it this epic thing, so they added so much bloat that in tracks. Yeah, in trying to make it better, they made it worse. So you have the two-hour uh, Joss Whedon cut. You now have the like four-plus-hour Zack Snyder cut. What now needs to happen is somebody needs to go in and make a three-hour cut. That's really actually a good movie. Yeah, that would be. That would be a good thing. Because there's just a lot of scenes in the movie. Like, that, don't, like, that don't need to be there. They were removed for a reason yeah. on the cutting room floor. And the only reason they were brought back was just so Zack Snyder could say, no, this I needed this scene. And, and it's like, no, you really didn't. This could not be in the movie, and nothing would change. And... I, like, I heard there's a 10-minute sequence of, like, Wonder Woman just walking. Yeah, there's stuff like that in it. Um, which you also have in the last Wonder Woman movie. You also have a lot of bloat in the last Wonder Woman, which really okay. bummed me out. Like, there's a scene in the Wonder Woman movie of, of, of a few minutes of her just flying through the air, whipping her whip. It's like, okay, we get it. She can fly. I, I, we get it. Okay, we get. Okay, you can stop doing the scene now. Really? You're still doing the I think scene? I, I think I made it half an hour into the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, and I was mm. just like, I'm done. There is nothing, like, I've been watching this movie now for almost half an hour, and there is not a single damn compelling story arc thread in this. It was a pretty boring movie. It was a bloated, boring movie. Yeah, it, it's like, and, I mean, it, it was like everything that made the first Wonder Woman great was not in this movie. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it sucks because I was just having this conversation with somebody at work yesterday, I don't mind the actors that are playing the characters in the DC universe. I don't mind the fact that um, that what's-his-name is playing Batman. I don't mind Henry Cavill being Superman. I actually like him. I don't mind the guy playing Aquaman. I don't... The, the Flash was hard. The Flash was a hard sell for me because I just... I don't know. I mean, I, I just... It's hard. It's really hard. But it, it was the Zack Snyder version did flesh him out a little bit better. They also fleshed out the cyborg character a little bit better. The problem is, is that the writing for these movies just sucks. Like, you know, it's oh like, my God, and then yeah. DC also has this thing of like, well, they were, they were the first to embrace the multiverse, the multiverse ad uh, idea. Um, but it, it's like, just, just write a good movie with these characters. Don't keep changing them every movie and stuff. Like DC's big problem right now is yes, it's dark, it's gloomy, whatever. I, I can roll with that. Just do it properly. The big problem is, is the storylines and the writing for these movies sucks. Their biggest problem is they can't get out of their own way. Yeah, it, it seems like, it feels like the first Wonder okay, so. Like they, Aquaman was the same way. It's like, this could have been a really, really, it's okay movie. It could have been a lot better. Well, like, I can just see a bunch of executives sitting around a boardroom saying, okay, we need to have an epic fight scene here. And it needs to be over top this way and over the top that way. And it's like. It's well, done just purely for the sake of doing it. It's not done to add story to it. So, you know what? I heard somebody describe Michael Bay that way. It's like Michael Bay choreographed... Explosions with Michael Bay! Well, it... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Michael Bay crafts these amazing action sequences that are just beautiful to look at. The problem is 
he doesn't win that win the right to have those with the story. Mm-hmm. So, like in Star Wars, you have the fight on the Death Star, and it's it's amazing. It's it's well choreographed. It's well timed. You watch that. You know where you are in the space of it, mm-hmm. and you've got the whole movie building up to that. With Michael Bay, it's here's here's an action sequence that's going so fast you have no idea where you that's are. That's how the first Transformers movie right. was. You're, you're, Our buddy Chuck that you game with, he described it best way back in the day when I used to work with him. He says it looks like somebody took Transformers, put a camera on something, and just moved it around constantly. And you can't really understand or tell what's right, going on right. in the action. But it's but like, in, it's, it's like you're just going from one choreographed action sequence to another and the plot's not doing anything to help you get between those points because the plot doesn't matter. The only thing that matters are those action sequences and they don't care if you understand why you're going from action sequence B to action sequence C. But let's be real. The people that are going to see those movies, that's what they're going to see. They're going They're going to see, and this is why I can't get into it because like, I'm not going to a, a movie just to see exploding cars and, and fights and, and stuff that... I mean, it's like, can I have some story here that pertains to this? And but, but there's a big crowd of people out there, and I've had this argument with somebody online before, like, dude, I go to a movie, the guy, what, the, what the person said was, dude, I go to the movie, I buy my ticket, I sit down, I have a good time. I don't put that much thought into it. And there's a lot of people that are like that. And yeah, a lot of I, the DC people that are fanboys of the DC movies, they're like, you know what? We don't care. This is what we want to see. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, are you saying that just because you're in the, it's the Marvel versus DC movie thing? Or I, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. You know, like there's so many people that were, they're like, no, DC's clearly making better movies than Marvel is. And you kind of just look at them and scratch your head and go, what you know? And well, there, so there were articles that came out. Um, I think right before Wonder Woman, because Wonder Woman was before Justice League. Uh, so it was, it was right after Batman v Superman, and it said that at that point, Wonder Woman was in production, Justice League was in production, and DC said we're looking at just completely scrapping everything and starting all over. Which is never a good thing to do to right. the universe that you're trying to build in the fan base. You're right, to but at that point, they were in such a big hole. Mm-hmm. But then you had Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman was a smash hit. Then you had Justice League, and Justice League was a smash hit. So DC had this thing where it's like, oh, fuck, what do we do now? Because we were thinking these weren't going to do well, and we could just blow up the universe and start all over again. So then they had to rush Aquaman into production. Then they had to rush Wonder Woman's sequel into production. They hadn't even contracted anybody from Wonder Woman for a second movie. Mm-hmm. Because that's how little faith they had in it. Um, and then when you got Aquaman, when you got Wonder Woman 1984, they felt like slapped together, hashed, re- like hashed replots that didn't really do anything. Yeah. Well, you had the same problem with Sony with the Spider-Man movies and, and things like that. Um, and a lot of these, like, 
see that's part of, one of the problems that DC has. One of the big problems, like Marvel, Marvel is owned by Disney. It's all one conglomerate, so they can sit down with everybody and say, "This is our grand plan. Let's all work towards this." And the movies, the company that owns Marvel, they're all on the same page. Well, Whereas and with DC, you've got DC, and then you've got Warner Brothers, who doesn't actually own DC. They kind of work together. And it's just a whole different how they do things and how they plot their there movies. Wasn't, there different. wasn't somebody, there wasn't... A grand, like a ringmaster. Okay, yeah. So, so it, originally it was Joss Whedon. Then after Joss Whedon... I it, it was Zack Snyder. No, no, no. In, in Marvel. Oh, yeah, yes, so yes, yes, yes. through the first phase of Marvel, it was Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. And then Joss Whedon passed, passed the torch to... Uh, I don't want to say Kevin Feige. Yeah, Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige's had it ever since. Yeah, uh, but he was the overall development officer for Marvel Studios. He was the one who was saying, "Okay, we have these movies. Here's how we're going to work them together." Mm-hmm. Nobody, there wasn't a person who had that job at DC. Well, the other thing is nobody had ever done what Marvel had done before. So DC, everybody's looking at DC, going, "Well." Now, granted, DC wasn't a bad situation, but the thing was, is DC, Warner Brothers and DC were like, oh shit, we got to play catch up. There's a funny thing to this. They so weren't, get there. okay, no, no, no. They were not in a bad situation. They were coming off of possibly one of the most popular and most successful superhero franchises of all time. The Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Okay, They made yes. billions of dollars, and then they decided... No, we're going to build a superhero franchise that doesn't involve this. So you took an already made fan base, people who had already been like, holy shit, this is amazing. This is what we want our superhero movies to be. And then DC uh, said, "Mm, okay, but we're going to do something else. Here's the thing. DC had this opportunity years before Marvel did to actually make Justice League. And they said it'll never work. You have too many big players on the screen, too many actors. It'll never work. So they, they scrapped the whole idea of doing Justice League. They, they could have done what Marvel did before Marvel did it. And DC said, no, we're not, we're not going to do this. It's never going to work. It's not possible. Because their ideology and how things, you know, how they thought. They, they weren't thinking about, they were thinking about, let's make a blockbuster movie, well, story, it was, secondary, all that so, kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was coming out of the 80s where... A movie was a vehicle for a star, and it was every movie had a star, mm-hmm. and it was this meant like you said this mentality of we can't do Justice League because Justice League wouldn't have a star. Justice League would have five stars, mm-hmm. um, and then you get to the X Men movies, and it was oh we can do this. We can have. A couple, like, we can have Hugh Jackman. We can have Halle Berry. We can have um, Patrick Stewart. We can have Ian McKellen. We can have multiple huge stars who work together and don't step all over each other. But the boat had already started set sail at that point. And and Warner Brothers DC took so long to get to it that they were playing a game of catch-up. Now, the problem here is, Uh, my point is... I would say what happened was... (laughs) The point is, is that... What happened, what had happened was Batman and Robin. Joel Schumacher fucking destroyed DC movies. 
ju- like yeah, bat nipples. Like literally. Yeah. You you had the the first two Tim Burton Batman movies that were phenomenal successes spawned like a giant like made the move made a bunch of money with the movies made a bunch of money with the toys where everything dc wanted in a superhero movie then they watered it down they gave it to joel schumacher joel schumacher said "Mm, this is too serious we're gonna make it funny and it just got worse and worse and after that DC didn't make a superhero film until Superman Returns almost 20 years later. And that didn't go very well. It, it, but, it went well, but it wasn't a amazing success. The point is, <clears throat> is DC really, like, the fans were willing to wait. Like, I when, when Marvel did what they did, if DC had just taken their time and built up their franchise the same way that Marvel did. Marvel took a long time to build up to the Avengers and become what it was. Right, it was... And it was a good ride to get there. Whereas DC was like, shit, we got... Oh, I'm sorry, Warner Brothers, not so much DC, but they were like, we need to jump on this right now. We need this right now. And it's like, no, if you'd taken your time and done it the right way, have your movie separately, do the same kind of formula that Marvel did... You know, the, I would have waited. I would have been fine with it. It's like because it would have been also would have been good because the timing would have been great because Marvel has kind of crested for now, other than going to TV shows and stuff. And DC could have came in and filled that void while Marvel was doing. It's they're in the process of rebooting and regearing for the next wave of Marvel movies. But if DC and Marvel and DC and Warner Brothers had taken their time and built a good long long story cohesive with those characters, the same way that Marvel did, it would have been fine. But DC was like, we got to rush through. It's like you said, we got to rush through this. We got to get these. So, so we, we, there's an issue we've been dancing around, and we need to make it clear. It's not DC; it's Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers. Yes, and Warner Brothers is also looking at it from. They are a very old movie studio, and it is becoming very clear that they are not the juggernaut they once were. Mm-hmm. And the movie industry has completely changed over the last twenty years. Um. Where to the point now is if your movie isn't either a Oscar contender pick or a giant big budget action film, it is not profitable enough to put it in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Romantic comedies don't exist anymore as a movie genre, whereas in the 90s, romantic comedies ruled the earth. Yeah. Or yeah. rom-coms ruled the earth. Well, <clears> that was. You're going to start to see this change now where a lot of that stuff is going to be going to the Amazons and um, right, Netflix right. and Hulus. That's where all of those things are going to go. Um, and you're also seeing it happen with superhero stories, obviously, on Marvel and stuff. And you're seeing it happen with DC on HBO because the DC, we were having this conversation yesterday yeah. how bad it, it's, the DC it, network failed. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Oh, my God. There, there is a. Oh. There's a whole show in that itself. Well. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. <laughs> Let me clear my throat. No, um, Games Workshop has announced they are starting their own streaming service. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, we've got these 10 shows that are all made up of 10, eight Games. to 10 episodes of 10 minute episodes about our properties. And it's just like, who the fuck do you think is going to pay you a monthly subscription fee? Oh, I'm sure there will be people. 
Oh, I'm. But I'm also sure a lot of people are gonna pirate it like we did with the DC Network. There, yeah, there is no. Because I may or may not, I did totally pirate everything that the DC Network had because I didn't want to get a subscription to it. Uh, the only bigger failure was the Stargate Network. Stargate tried to make its own wow, streaming yeah. service. And it... It never got off the ground. Oh, my God. It was... It I couldn't w- get the landing gear up, and it went right back down again. Yeah. It it didn't, bl- it didn't blow up. It imploded on yeah. itself. It sucked itself in to become the neutron star of black hole of suck. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I... God. Like, Paramount, I was the same. I was... I, I'm still kind of on the fence about the Paramount Network, because all they really have is Star Trek shows. For the most part, and say what you will. Well, a lot of people well, don't like discovery. Well, that's the and, thing. You know. Yeah, it's it's now it's not. Yeah, so it was originally just CBS, and then it was now it's Paramount. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, there's enough meat on the bones there, but I I don't think it's. I'm not quite sold on it. Like the thing that makes the Disney Network worth the money that you pay is because it's not just Marvel. It's Marvel. It's Star Holy Wars. It's fuck. the cartoons. It is, it's the shows. It is Disney. Yeah. It is National Geographic. It is Marvel. Yeah, there's it, a lot that you're getting for the subscription that you're paying for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it was launched... It is The Simpsons. Like, being able to watch any episode of The Simpsons you want. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas when, when the Paramount, when the DC thing launched, it was like, well, you're going to be able to go read comic books off of your TV, and there's Titans, and there's Swamp Thing, which we're going to cancel before it even gets released, and you're going to go back and watch all the old DC content and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's great, but it's not really, I'm not, I'm not interested in that, you know? Whereas if they had launched and had maybe four or five shows, you know, they, they needed more well, on their no, plate. I was going to say, what they needed was off the bat, they needed to have launched with the 90s animated shows mm-hmm. like i completely would have paid five or six bucks a month to be able to watch batman the animated series yeah batman like, beyond yeah uh, the, you like, know, that, like being able to watch batman the animated series is one of the reasons i started paying for hbo max yeah. was because yep i i totally want to watch batman the animated series yeah um yeah i i, I agree 100 percent um and it just there wasn't there just wasn't enough there to be able to pull it off. So what happened? I went. I, I liked Titans a lot. Me and the wife watched that. We watched Doom Patrol. But I'll go on. I'll go on the record and say, yeah, I pirated all of those shows. Now that it's over on HBO, I don't mind as much because there's there's other content besides that to watch. Right. And I'm already I'm already a subscriber to HBO. Um. So I'm telling you, go watch the Watchmen series. I did. Oh yeah. I did. I watched it. I I watched it. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. But again, <clears throat> I didn't care because I was already paying for it. So it's right. like being we're talking about with Invincible. I'm like, I'll give this a shot. If I don't like it, I can just turn it off and watch something else. But it's not My God. I still barely care that I get the free streaming with Amazon Prime. I pay the hundred bucks a year for free shipping. Like everything else is a bonus. Yeah, well, Amazon is Amazon really is stepping up their game a lot. Like, you just watched Invincible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jupiter, uh, I think Jupiter, Jupiter's um, Jupiter Rising is on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. But um, like, I've been going back, as I've said in the last episode, I've been going back and rewatching Farscape, which is on Amazon Prime. 
And mm-hmm. I still think that Farscape, it's got, it has its hokey moments, but I, I'm still not regretting going back and watching what that I re- show. What I really need to do is I really need to go back and watch Man with the High Castle, or Man in the High Castle. Yeah, like, that, that's another thing. when that came out, I really wanted to watch it, and I just never sat down to watch it. And it's like, when, when the streaming services really kind of hit their stride with their own shows, the two big ones I wanted to watch were Man in the High Castle and The Handmaiden's Tale. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I've had both of these streaming services as long as these shows have been on them. And I still haven't watched those two shows. Yeah, see, now I, I make it a point to go out and, and – I've gone out and tried to actually seek these things out and watch these shows now. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what's going to – we're beginning to see the end result of the streaming wars. You know, because there comes a point, which we had talked about when all this stuff first started, like, originally all these people left cable because they wanted to have – they wanted to be able to watch what they wanted to watch and not pay the amount of money that you paid on cable. Well, now with all the different streaming services, by the time you get Netflix, Hulu, um, Amazon Prime is a little bit different because, as you said, it's more than just a streaming service. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind paying the money on that one. But I got to a point where I'm like, if I get all of these, I'm going to be paying just as much or more as I was when I had right. actual cable. You know, because I use, I use a Roku stick. Um, and I also have a Chromecast as well. But I'm paying all this money for all of these services. It's like... Do do regular cable companies still exist anymore or anymore? Or is it pretty much all everything just streaming now? Do no, they still <clears throat> cable companies still exist because there's always going to be a certain po- certain yeah. But of... do they exist just as an internet provider or as it, like before it was like well you can get our blah 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 package or you get HBO no. blah 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 because there's still there will always exist a certain population per- certain percentage of the population that just isn't going to do that. They aren't going to pay that or they live in an area where streaming isn't practical there's yeah. still vast swaths of this country that operate on essentially dsl internet yeah um so and, and we pity those people you're beginning to we're beginning now to see the fallout of the streaming wars it's like what services like dc the warner brothers dc thing was one of the first people to fall by the wayside where people were just like, no, because that's how all this got started. Millennials kind of came along and said, we are not going to pay this price for television and we're going to find alternate means of doing it. And that's what started the streaming services. And then everyone's like, oh, shit, Netflix is doing this because Netflix was the first real one to, to yeah, set that. Netflix was essentially the first streaming service. Exactly. And um, then uh, people are like, well, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna pay that much money to watch this. And that starts so all the companies like, oh shit, we got to come out with our streaming service. We got to do this now. And the content and the management just weren't there. And I go back to the Warner Brothers DC thing. It's a perfect example of mismanagement and just bad ideas. You know, because I think they, I think AT and T was who was running it. And from the from the you could just look at it and go, this is bad. This yeah. is not gonna end well. You know, <laughs> so. Now we're beginning to see the fallout from that, you know, and then because BBC's got their own and then uh, the Discovery Network has got their own now, I believe. Yeah, they're they're starting their own, which... Again, I'm <sighs> not like, yeah, whatever, you know. The only reason I would go to the Discovery Channel... Stars did theirs. Yeah, the, the, only, the only reason I would go to Discovery is to get all the episodes of Mythbusters, all the episodes of uh, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations... Um, and like maybe a couple other discovery shows, but man, you got to remember like going back to the nineties, there were a lot of awful shows on the discovery channel. I remember, um, when HBO started their thing, 
people would get HBO just to watch Game of Thrones. And then when the Game of Thrones season was done, they, they would canceled their, their HBO. And you almost saw that happen with Disney with The Mandalorian. Once The Mandalorian was over with, people were like, okay, fuck this. Well, it. well, Disney was smart was they offered a extremely good package price if you bought a year at a time. Yeah. It was like 50 bucks for a year. Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, well, I will pay the 50 bucks to watch Mandalorian, but I've got it for the whole year, so I can watch other stuff, too. Yeah, they, they did a good job, because that was what we did. Like, I was, after the Mandalorian was ours, I'm like, well, there's really not a lot here that I like, but, yeah, you know what, we'll wait it out. Because my wife had liked a lot of the old Disney or Disney stuff, and there was other stuff yeah, on there. Yeah, dude, so. like, like, like going, you said, well, we've already paid for it, it's cheap, we'll just keep it around. Oh, my God, going back to watch, like, things from, things that I remember on the wonderful world of Disney from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the Muppet Show's on there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah the Muppet Show's on there now. Um, you know, there, there's, there, there, was, there was reasons to, plus for the price, it's like you said, for the price you pay, there was reasons to hang out. Yeah. But, like, with HBO, it's like, well, Game of Thrones is done. There's nothing else on here I want to watch. I'll, I'll watch Westworld. Okay, Westworld's done. Why am I paying for this? There's nothing good coming for a while. I'll just cancel it, and when the next big thing comes along, then I'll re-up my subscription. So that was what you started seeing also happening. And then people were like, oh, crap, we need, whereas Disney was like, we need to have continuous new stuff coming in the pipe all the time. Like, okay, we had Wanda, then we had Falcon. Loki's coming here in a couple of weeks. And yeah, that, that was that was really a genius thing on their part, was it's like, okay, we're going to spread this out. Like, we're going to go back to the old model of one episode a week. And then that's, that's going to build hype. And then after one show's done, we're going to give you a little break, and then the next show's going to come. Mm-hmm. Um Loki is next week. I think it's next Friday is Loki. And the new preview for it, which is leading us to the next couple of things I want to talk about. The, have you seen the new Loki trailer that just dropped? Like every trailer that's dropped, I'm, I haven't seen anything about Loki that's made me go, wow, this show really doesn't look that good. Everything in Loki looks cool. It looks good. <laughs> Loki, I finally figured it out. The Loki TV show is Tom Hiddleston as Doctor Who. Is Loki as Doctor Who? That's pretty much what it's going to be, and I'm all for that. I'm like, let's do this. I'm on board. board. Yeah, Yeah. I'm gonna have my little bag of kettle corn sitting right there. I'm gonna have my my drink sitting there, and it's just you know. And I'm I'm like, let's. I'm I'm like, I'm so geeked about Loki, because me and you've talked about it before, and you 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 called me on on it, and you were absolutely right. Where I said DC Marvel's biggest problem is they really don't have a good history with villains, and you went Loki, and I'm like, son of a bitch, you asshole, you're right, and Loki is. Like he's 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 that anti-hero again, like. But the thing about this is with this show, he he ends up going into what this show is. He like because time has changed. He never had that story arc development that we right. saw in the movies. So this is going to be Loki, still evil kind of evil Loki, you know. And I think what's going to happen is is that Owen Wilson's character, because he knows all of the time streams, he's seen what's going to happen. That's why he got Loki to do all this stuff, because he knows that Loki can eventually be a good person. Right. He knows that it's in him to be that way. But in the meantime, we're going to see Loki just going all over the place doing this crazy shit. And I'm like, this is going to be really cool. Yeah. We're, you know? we're going to get to see Loki be Doctor Who. Yeah, and Loki is one of the characters. It's like when we were talking about Baron Zemo. It's like, this is a villain that I can get into. This is a guy that I can like. Because, yes, he's a villain, but he's not entirely villain. There's motives to what he does. There's, you know, and you know that there's a good person underneath all of that. And I like the actor. I like the character. 
I'm fully on board with this. And another thing it tells you it's going to be good is they already have greenlit a second season. Mm-hmm. None of the other shows yet, not even WandaVision, has been greenlighted for a second show yet. Well, because you can't. Because WandaVision was made to be a self-contained story. Well, you've also got the Spider-Man movie and the Doctor Strange movie coming. So you have to wait and see what happens with those movies. But I think eventually Wanda will get another series because the response to it was so excellent. So I think this is a good place to call it for the show. Uh, Rojan, where can people find you in the world? You can find my other podcast, Project Archivist, at projectarchivist.com. Wherever you found this show, um, you can find mine there. My show is nothing like this, um, with the exception of a couple of episodes. But uh, we cover the wonderful, the weird, and the strange. Um, I've been taking more time doing episodes. I have a couple of shows coming up this weekend. But, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And uh, hopefully, if you're a listener to this show, you can go over and give that one a shot. You can find us on the Old Nerds Drinking Facebook group. Come for the podcast, stay for the memes, and at oldnerdsdrinking at gmail.com. Until then, I'm John. I'm Rojan. End of line. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Sherman, forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now! So, what's the plan? Take car, go to Mum's, kill Phil, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write him off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up, lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're going streaky! All right, come on! Nothing to see here! Please disperse! Nothing to see here, please!